Bible. I hate snakes, Shock! I hate them! And may the Christian Lord guide my hand against your Roman popery! And they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! We're on a mission from God. I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Maybe we should chug on over to Mamby Pamby land where maybe we can find some self-confidence for you, you jackwagon! Coming to you live from his padded cell high atop Bethel Church, the most heralded, the most despised talk show in all of human history. This is the talk show Hell Hates. This is Pastor Mike Online. Coming to you live from our top secret broadcasting bunker. It's been a while since I pushed the buttons. I forgot what buttons to push. But I finally figured it out. It's good to be here. This is Pastor Mike and I'm online and live with you this afternoon. And good to be with you uh, finally once again. And let me let me reiterate. Uh, the major misfortune, problem, um, I hate to say it's an accident. Uh, I don't believe that there are accidents with God. I believe everything has a purpose to it. Uh, but for some reason, my um, one of my really good cameras that I took to Kenya uh, was busted somehow, some way. You remember the old Sans- Samsonite commercials where they would give the Samsonite luggage uh, to a gorilla. They would put Samsonite luggage in a gorilla cage and the gorilla would throw that suitcase around and bounce it off the walls and throw it some more and sit on it and stump up and down on it and hit other gorillas in the head with it and on and on and on. And supposedly none of the contents were damaged. Well, now those gorillas are in a union And they get paid well to throw those suitcases around like gorillas. And uh, you can mark your suitcase. Fragile. Uh, Breakable items. Handle with care. And I think they find some guy that's probably hired at every airport 
whose uh, IQ is barely above room temperature. And they put him in charge of all of these very valuable suitcases with very valuable items in them and say to him or her, now whatever you do, don't break these. First thing they do is... So that camera kaput, and that was that was the only camera I took. Um, so anyway, and I didn't know it at first. And we had recorded um, practically all of the teaching I had done in Samburu, and it's all gone. Nothing, nothing left of it, other than the stream that shows up on uh, the Facebook page. So anyway, needless to say, we don't have any content to put out in a mailer's packet for the month of January. We have nada. We have nil. We have zilch, the big goose egg. Okay? We have nothing to send out for the month of January. What, uh, what Brother uh, Chuck Felker preached, uh, which I listened to part of that. That was pretty good. Um, what Brother George preached, I didn't, uh, for, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to listen to that, but I heard some people make some good comments about it. Um, uh, what he preached... Uh, maybe I have to listen to it. Um, but other than that, we didn't remember the, the uh, first Sunday I was gone, the temperature started plummeting the day that we left. Temperatures here in the St. Louis area started going downhill to such an extent that there were days where the temperature never went above zero degrees Fahrenheit. That's pretty cold. Um, and I missed it. See, I like cold like that. I like cold days like that. I think they're fun. Um, it gives you a story to talk. It gives you something to tell in years, years to come. When the weather, you know, you go through a few, three or four winters in a row and it barely gets below, you know, 58 degrees. And you go, yeah, I remember back in the winter of, uh, what was that? What was that, honey? That was what, 2020, uh, 2023? Yeah, back in the winter of 2023. Why, we just had temperatures go below zero and they stayed that way. It froze everybody, froze the arch, froze time itself time was frozen okay mississippi river ran backwards all of that stuff see we can tell stories about it but when it's just mediocre weather like now you got no you don't have no story to tell so anyway my apologies um you know we'll try to get right back into it this month and uh resume some things I found some things. I did. 
Not not ready to to tell you all what I found. It's got to be cut up with carrots and some celery and some spices, little you know tomato. You know we're gonna make a stew here, and um, the ingredients have to go together and they have to they have to meld together in order for it to work right, in order for you to understand it. So uh, that's what I'm doing with uh, something God showed me out of his word the other day. And, I, and I, oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. So maybe I'll give you a, um, let's see, what was I going to do first? Maybe I'll give you a glimpse of it if I can find out what the first, the very first story or and or article is going to be that I was going to deal with what was it no not the Fibon, not the fibonacci sequence that's for a upcoming uh, watchman broadcast uh let's see here not that where was it i just had it i must have lost my mind they're trying to figure out what buttons to push. Let's see as if it's in Evernote. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Um, let me show you this. This is Kenya. Okay. This is Kenya. Plain and simple. Um, and this happened on... The 33rd day of the year. On the 33rd day of the year, in Kenya, 300 injured, 3 dead. Okay? This ain't the story here. I don't know what I do with the story for that one. Let me try to find that one. Um, there was, let's see if I can find it now. Kenya, you can look, you can turn, you can find this too. Kenya explosion. Um, prime suspect. Yeah, I think I'll use that one. Let me do this here. I'll try to get rid of these ads. There we go. Magic button. But then, I, there we go. Uh, prime suspect in deadly Kenya gas blast appears in court. First responders gather in front of a fire uh, in the Makadera area of Nairobi on January 30th, 2024. Now, that's quite a bit of ways from where we were staying uh, for the last three weeks. Uh, and it happened just, I mean, just right after we got home. Um Derek Kimothy, who police said rented the illegal gas depot where the disaster occurred, was escorted by police to a court in Nairobi Tuesday wearing a black beanie and face mask. His lawyer has previously said Kimothy would cooperate with the police, but denied that he was operating the site where the blast took place as a gas filling plant. Kenya's Directorate of Criminal Investigations 
had announced earlier the arrest of Kimothi, along with three officials from the National Environment Management Agency, NEMA, rhymes with SEMA, no, no, it rhymes with FEMA, uh, who are accused of culpability over the tragedy. Why? Why would officials from a government oversight agency, why would they be investigated when an illegal company that should not be in business, should not be in full-scale operations, should not be handling uh, volatile material, why would a government official be indicted or at least investigated with these other people? Surely somebody from the government did nothing wrong. Surely that didn't happen. Well, it did happen, and stop calling me Shirley. Okay? Um, but anyway, uh, in the article says in its statement on X, it described uh, Kimothi as the prime suspect, but gave no details about when or where the arrest of the suspects took place. Officials from the National Environment Management Agency, or NEMA, Rhymes with Mima uh, have been accused of wrongly giving a license for the LPG filling and storage plant in such a densely populated area. You understand? Do you understand what's going on behind the scenes here? You have a you have a natural gas or liquid propane gas filling station. They're filling people's propane tanks. They're filling tankers full of propane, and those tankers will go out and deliver propane to job sites, to, uh, to people's homes, or whatever it is. And because of the fact that they're operating illegally, probably had more to do with the fact that they are in a residential area, and they're wanting to expand. And... Key government officials said, excuse me, uh, but my house is like right there. And I don't want your plant blowing up one day and then blowing my house up. So they said, uh, okay. And then they went to the guy's neighbor, paid him off. Went to the, all the guys' neighbors around this guy, paid them off, paid them all bribes, paid the inspectors bribes, paid government officials bribes, bribe here, bribe here, bribe everywhere. And they kept, they stayed in business. How? They were able to use cash funds to give to key officials in order for those officials to write out tickets, um, but nothing happens. Because those men have already received money. Uh, they've already received a bribe. And so they're going to turn the other cheek. They're going to look the other way while this company 
handling volatile, flammable, explosive gas to be bought and purchased and so on in this residential area of Nairobi. Now, it was quite a distance away from where we were staying in. Let's see, we we would be staying in southeast Nairobi. And this place was some, I'm going to say some 30 miles um, west and north of where we were staying. So we, even if it happened while we were there, we were not in any immediate danger. But folks, let me tell you something. It goes to show you um, that br- having government officials whose job it is to make sure that a, that a job a construction, an office, a house, um, pipelines, you name it, that any and all infrastructure that's built to build up uh, either areas that are fallow and that have never been touched or uh, to, to build up uh, places that have have not been touched in a long time um, to um, put new buildings on those grounds uh, to put new infrastructure there and so on what we want are government officials who are not bribable who will go out to a job site, examine the job site, and make sure that whatever needs to be built there can be built there um, on, a, on plane rides. They, they now have free Wi-Fi on, on some of these planes now. So I'm watching UFO videos, or not YouTube videos, I'm watching YouTube videos on on fail, you know, things that don't work right, right. And here, at least a dozen different videos of at least, you know, 10 to 15 story buildings that were being built that all of a sudden just fell over sideways. Thank God that nobody lived in those buildings yet. There was no earthquake It's just that somebody cut so many corners. Um, What's that game? Jenga? Where you put all the different different shaped blocks in there and you pull one out, hoping that the rest of the building stand in someone. That's that's sort of what you have when you you are building something in Kenya. And... uh, and we don't want that in America, but there is there is those things happen probably in every county in the state of Missouri, in the state that you live in, in the province you live in. Those things probably happen more often than we want to admit. 
There's probably very little doubt about that. All right. Let's see here. That's corruption. Ooh, here we go. Here's another story. This is a follow-up. If you remember uh, here a while back, I mentioned a, uh, a Kenyan false prophet who was responsible for the deaths of 400 of his followers. And I mean directly responsible for their death. According to the law, this man was directly responsible for that. Um, Here's the article. Taxi driver appears in court accused of leading starvation cult that killed 400. Prosecutors say McKenzie ordered his followers to starve themselves and their children to death so that they could go to heaven before the world ended. It just, that sickens me greatly. Um, let's see if there's more to the story here besides this advertisement. Yeah, here we go. Uh, the defendants all denied the charges brought before court in the coastal town of uh, Malindi. One suspect was found mentally unfit to stand trial. Prosecutors say McKenzie ordered his followers to starve themselves and their children to death so that they could uh, go to heaven before the world ended in one of the world's worst cult-related disasters in recent history. David Koresh, he did not kill, how many was it? 400? He didn't kill 400. The, um, and I think he's got to be right up there. Um, Oh, who am I think of here? He ate people. Um, I can't think of it. But anyway, cult leaders who demand and tell their people. This is where we get into the validity of the word of God. If you are going to call yourself a Christian, you better be ready to stand up and boldly proclaim proclaim to the world, I believe the Word of God. It is the inspired, inerrant Word of God. There is not one single error, not one mistranslated word. There is not one word missing, not one word added. There is nothing wrong with the Word of God, and it has remained that way for over 400 years in the version of the in the form of the King James version it has remained intact before the King James ever since Moses sat down to write the 10 commandments and write out the five books of the law ever since Ezra the ready scribe in the Lord not only took custody of the manuscripts but worked on copying the manuscripts I believe that word of God was and is perfect. So you want to come and say, look, 
I know, Brother Mike, God sent you here to, uh, to Kenya to be, to be amongst our people, and what a blessing you are. Boy, that just sounds great. Boy, we just love your teaching. However, however, God has told me, God told me this. God told me that we ought to starve ourselves to death including starving our own children. What kind of what kind of meathead do you have to be to hear the scream of your own child screaming to death for something to eat? But because a false prophet told you that that just showed you had no faith at all whatsoever. You're not worthy to go to heaven. See what happens? See what happens in places like Kenya where people, because they are hungry for the word of God because they are starving for his precepts and his judgments and they actually have it in their hand they just won't believe it they won't read it they won't study it they won't meditate on it nothing and so It's why we believe the Bible. It's why we believe what we believe. It's why I teach what I teach. Because there's a lot of other... What was this guy's name? Uh, McKenzie. What was his first name? Uh, Let's see here. Update, update, update. McKenzie says... Was it Malachi McKenzie? Maybe. But anyway, um, here's Mr. Uh, McKenzie. And because he's been in jail for so long, the revelations keep pouring in. And he's sitting in jail and he is getting new revelations from God. And he's writing them all down. There's no telling what he would have told everybody to do had he had enough time before he got out of uh, prison, one way or the other. There's no telling what sort of quote-unquote bondages that he would have put on those people while he's waiting his glory. It's all about the Bible, people. Bible, Bible. Bible. You read that Bible, and a guy like this comes along and tells you that God told him that we have to fast 400 days, or excuse me, we have to fast until we die so that we can get our robe and our crown. And you say, nope, sorry. God never said that in the Bible, so I'm not believing it. 
Not going to do it. Okay. Now, what other goodies do I have for you today? Where are the good ones? Uh, let's see here. That's Evernote. Ah, there we go. Um, that's the taxi driver story. Okay, that is... Oh, it's slideshow time. It's slideshow time! This is... Let me zoom in here. Brother Chris Mangan. And boy, what a trooper he was to take on this trip. He was. He was just dynamite. Um, we didn't have to beg him to do anything. He just jumped right in. And, and I mean, he just, he just went and did it. And uh, I believe God will reward him for it. I really do. There he is there saying, hey, get that camera off me. There he is. Uh, let's see here. Oh, here's one of the families that he fed. Breaks my heart. One, two, three, four, five children. One mama. One mama sleeping on the floor, sleeping in a grass hut, and uh, how bad did you have it last night? Not that bad. There's Brother Chris again. Oh, here's a video. There Amen. Amen. A lot of these pictures I didn't have time to show Sunday morning for time's sake. So you're getting a glimpse of them now. All right. All right. That's good. And uh, I think he wants to go back. I do. I think he wants to go back again. Well, that would be fine and dandy with me is what it would be. It would be fine and dandy with me. All right, Hoggard. Where's the news you were coming up with? All this news you keep bragging about. There was there was a story, actually a couple of them, that really caught my attention. And uh, let's see here. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Put that up on the screen. We're going to take a look at this one here for a, for a minute. All right. Wirecast. Boom. There we go. No. 
There we go. Senator probes feds on MAGA Bible purchase monitoring. Um, U.S. Treasury Department building is seen in Washington, D.C. on January 19, 2023, following an announcement by the U.S. Treasury that it had begun taking measures Thursday to prevent a default on government debt as Congress um, heads towards a high-stakes clash between Democrats and Republicans over raising the borrowing limit. Um, One, let's see here. What happened to it here? Lost my picture. There we go. Um, A top Senate Republican wants answers from the U.S. Department of Treasury's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network regarding reports officials instructed banks to monitor, listen to this, to monitor Americans' online transactions described with the terms MAGA, and Trump, as well as purchases of, here we go, religious texts. Those, you know, those evil, dangerous quotes from the Bible, like, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's how dangerous that is. Or or maybe or maybe um maybe this very volatile volatile text in the Bible uh, uh a text in the Bible that basically has an extremely dry, short fuse on it. And all it's going to take is a spark from a match to ignite it. Here we go. This is now, this is the dangerous, the dangerous religious text that we have. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Uh, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. 
for he is the minister of God, a revenger, to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. And lots of other verses just like that that don't proclaim war, that are not calling us God-fearing, Bible-believing saints of the Most High God to raise up an earthly army by all the guns and weapons that we can, hide them in our compound somewhere, and wait for the soldiers to come through the woods, camouflaged. And when they, when they finally walk on your property, why, you've got a right to take care of business, don't you? Isn't that what the Bible teaches you? To take, isn't, that, isn't that what Paul did? When the Roman soldier had him in custody... Did, wasn't Paul going to the other guys and saying, hey, I've got some money. I'll give you, I'll give you 5% of it if you'll unlock my chain and give me your sword. The guy's going. Here's the key. You get caught with it. You don't know where you got it from. There was nothing like that in the Bible. In fact, the Apostle Paul, who happened to be a Roman citizen by birth, first by his father, then by his grandfather, he was a Roman citizen who told and taught um, people to submit to higher powers. To not revolt, rebel. I don't like the government. In fact, they're all in the Illuminati. Every one of them is. Why, you can't get elected in this country unless you've got a secret handshake. (laughs) Yeah, I know that one. But that's what people think. That's what they want to think. I can't stop them from thinking that. All I can do is sound the trumpet that Jesus saves. And that's why he came here the first time. Amen. That's why he did it. Um, Now, I, I will tell you. That this article, it does trouble me. Two sides to this and two angles to this story. And of course, an angle that we as Christians would look at it from if if in fact these details are true, then that's not good. So what's happening is um, top Senate Republican wants answers from the U.S. Department of Treasury's Financial Crimes Enforcement uh, Network 
regarding uh, reports, officials uh, instructed banks to monitor Americans' online transactions described with the terms MAGA and Trump, as well as purchases of religious texts like the Bible. Uh, in, a, in a Friday letter to uh, Treasury Secretary uh, Janet Yellen and uh, FinCEN Director Andrea Gracchi, uh, U.S. Senator Tim Scott, the ranking Republican on the Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs, expressed concerns over potential privacy violations and the targeting of U.S. citizens. So, is it is their side perfect? No, not by a million years. Neither is our side. Um, Scott's letter came days after U.S. Republican Jim Jordan. Uh, I kind of like him. Um, chair of the House Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government claimed the subcommittee obtained documents showing that FinCEN distributed materials to financial institutions that, among other things, outlined the typologies of various persons of interest following the U.S. Capitol uh, riot on January 6, 2021. Uh, let's see here. Jordan alleged in a letter to a former FinCEN official seeking a, I guess scoot in closer to that, it's very small print from me. There we go. Seeking a transcribed interview for the congressional record that the agency also provided financial institutions with suggested search terms and merchant category codes uh, for identifying transactions on behalf of the federal law enforcement. These materials allegedly included a document. Uh, let's see here. Included a document recommending the use of generic terms like Trump and MAGA to search Zelle payment messages as well as a prior FinCEN analysis of uh, lone actor homegrown violent extremism indicators, the letter reads. Jordan wrote that FinCEN warned financial institutions of extremism indicators um, that include transportation charges uh, such as bus tickets and rental cars or plane tickets for uh, travel to areas with no uh, apparent purpose or the purchase of books including religious texts and subscriptions to other media containing extremist views. Let me tell you what extremist is. You know what? Let me let me do something. Let me let me do something that's a little fun. I I've been toying around with an idea for um, just little tidbits of information that I know. 
um, that it it makes. Well, I'll just say it like it is. It makes evolution look bad. Is that okay? That I release information every now and then that makes evolution look bad. Can I do that? Um, Give me uno momento por favor. Where is my... Here it is. Uh, that's not it. That's not it. Where is it? Ah, here we go. All right. Let me put this up on the screen here. I'll try to make a, um, a little short video out of this. Something that people could see just as they are passing along life's life's highway here. Uh, you know what? Something something doesn't look right. Let me let me do this too. Let me straighten this mess up. Somebody's been messing around with my settings here. Let's see, it's caption on the background, lower third There we go. Here we go. And I'll crop the bottom off of it, cut its legs off, cut its top off. Cut its arms off. There we go. Both arms. There we go. Nope, nope. Don't do that. There we go. There we go. That looks a little better. Now... Let me let me explain what what this is and why I'm going to talk about it. This came across my Instagram feed. It came in the form of a video. And all of those little dots that you see on the sand there, well, they're not leaves. They're not uh, pieces of discarded seaweed. What they are is sea turtles. And these sea turtles are within minutes of hatching out of their eggs. We know the story. Now, what I'm going to share with you basically is it is my intention to make Evolution, the theory of evolution, looks so outlandishly difficult because of the grand complexity that exists 
on this planet, there are wonders that are still being discovered here on planet Earth. We've already decided that we're going to leave the Earth and we're going to look all over the, the cosmos for life on other planets. We're not even done exploring the life that we have here on planet Earth. But let me just give you a little glimpse as to how difficult what we're about to learn is how absolutely, utterly impossible it it would be for it to just happen by accident and that we have this entire species of turtles called sea turtles that are alive on earth right now because they, in their evolutionary, quote-unquote evolutionary story, got everything right. Let me explain what I'm talking about. So right here, all of these little dots there in the sand, those are sea turtles. Now, the mama sea turtle... Uh, came to shore some weeks, months, I don't know exactly, uh, at some time um, prior to their being hatched, she came onto the shore. She walks up into a place that she determines is going to be the best place in the world to deposit her eggs. The mama turtle then begins with her paddles to start pushing sand out of the way. And she's pushing with her front flippers and her back flippers are sending all the sand that she flips out with her front flippers. The, ba the back flippers are taking it and flipping it all behind there until she has this really, really humongous hole dug into the sand. Once the hole is there, she begins the process of laying these eggs, one right after another. One is, one is laid, and then she scoots forward just a little bit, and she lays another egg, and then she scoots over a little bit, lays another egg, and she's laying them all in as you know, close to perfect rows as she can, and she lays all the eggs out, and, and I don't know how many uh, eggs, a, a mama sea turtle, it's more than one. It's more than what a chicken gives in a day, I guarantee you that. Uh, but it's, it's obviously more than one egg. She's laying multiple eggs. I don't know if it's a dozen, I don't know if it's two dozen, but it seems to be quite a bit. Once she lays all the eggs, mama, tur mama turtle then takes all the sand that she dug out of that hole and starts flipping the sand back over on top of the hole. Now, this is twofold. Number one, we're going to keep the temperature of the eggs at sort of a, uh, a standard, standard temperature. In other words, we're going we're gonna to use the sand as a blanket, number one, to keep them from getting too cold, number two, to keep them from getting too hot, and... We're hiding them 
from predators like, oh, I don't know, Komodo dragons, different types of reptiles, uh, serpent that love to swallow eggs. Uh, we're going to hide them maybe from birds, certain birds that love to feed on uh, sea turtle eggs, uh, crocodiles. We're going to hide them from crocodiles so the crocodiles can't find the sea turtle eggs and so on. Now, here's, here's the beauty of it. Evolution. They say that the, the master key to evolution is time. That, of course, the first generation of sea turtles laying eggs in the sand, that first generation of sea turtles didn't make it. Because they didn't know where to go or what to do when they were born. If they did know, my question is, when? When did they find out? But we have a, we have a, now, there are other turtles in the world. You know, there's some backwoods turtles that you and I used to find when we'd go play down, you know, and we'd, we'd find old logs and we'd roll them over and there'd, there'd be a turtle there. You know, we find turtles in the woods and things like that or, or just anywhere. Sometimes you'll find a snapping turtle. If you're fishing, you got to be careful. Those things will bite your finger off of your hand. They're very powerful jaws, okay? So we have different uh, species of turtles all over the world. And here, th only this turtle does this exact thing. Is that once that baby sea turtle comes out of the egg, it's egg hatching day. Baby sea turtle gets its way, tears its way, chips its way out of the egg that it's been laying in, opens up that egg. Now for the very first time in this sea turtle's life, they're able to do one of several things. Number one, they're able to see. Number two, they're able to breathe. While they were in the egg, they never breathed. Now, all of a sudden, and again, we're supposed to believe that evolution has taught this sea turtle all of these functions over the course of millions of years. The biggest thing that the sea turtle, the young baby sea turtle, automatically... We call it in, instinctively, intuitively. Automatically, the sea turtle knows that what it must do is that once it's hatched, it doesn't just hang around the nest looking for toys to play with, 
looking for other sea turtles to play with. These sea turtles, every one of them that you see in this picture, this picture, they're all on their way to the water in the sea. Why? Because that is going to be their new safe house, that its new shelter. It's going to be where they're going to find food. They're going to find protection. They're going to be able to stay away from, you know, seagulls or whatever that, that would fly down and pick them up and carry them off somewhere and eat them. And my question is, how? How did the sea turtles, who we, we have to say that at one point in the sea turtles' evolutionary history, at one point, the sea turtle did not know that it was supposed to seek out the waters of the ocean as its permanent place to live. What mechanism, what force, what intelligence taught the sea turtle once you're born and start breathing air you must seek out the ocean because that's where you're going to live. And see, again, evolution, the key to all evolution is a large amount of time. Evolution scientists say if we just give a species 13 to 15 million years, eventually it will figure out what is best for its species. It will also figure out what is best as far as its procreation ability. What is best for its ability to find food at an early age or to Remove themselves some predators at an early age. But the key to all of that, according to the evolutionary theory, the key to all of that is time. That it must take a million, five million, ten, fifteen million years. So, what happens to the first few generations of sea turtles who don't quite know yet that they're supposed to come out of their shells, not remain in the nest, but make their newborn march to the waves of the sea? How is it that they figured this out? Or let me say it this way. What force 
in nature taught the sea turtle how to go back home to the sea from whence it came so that it could live. I hope you've enjoyed that. It, it brings up a legitimate question. What force of nature teaches a sea turtle that it must make its way on day one to the ocean or its chance of survival is almost zero? What is it that taught the sea turtle that? I don't think evolution as a force can do anything like that. I think the only force that taught the sea turtle, its and by the way, it's in its genetics. It's in its genes. It's an automatic thing that when the sea turtle is born, the first thing it does is go looking for the ocean. Okay? It automatically knows to do this. I believe that the only real force that could teach the sea turtle on its first day on earth to seek out the ocean is the only true force that makes all of nature operate the way it does, and that is God. He is our creator. First John chapter, excuse me, the Gospel of God, John chapter 1 tells us that by him all things were made that were made, and without him was not anything made that was made. It teaches us that Jesus Christ is the creator of all things in this earth. And it was Jesus Christ, the creator of the sea turtle, who taught it, not over 15 million years, but on its first day alive ever. It was written into the genetic code of the sea turtle, seek out the ocean. See, I just think that's, I just think that's easier to believe than to believe that over 15 million years the sea turtles whose numbers have been dwindling now because most of them haven't figured out that they have to go into the sea. That one, one intelligent sea turtle figured out that if he goes into the sea he's got a much better chance of survival and upon figuring that out somehow some way that gets written into his DNA and now he's able to spread that knowledge around well, let's say probably to only his offspring. Just kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? Just kind of makes you think. Well, let's see here. What else did I have for you today? I had something pretty big here. Uh, it wasn't the sea turtles. 
Very done with the sea turtles. Um, oh, let's see here. Yeah, do I want to do that? What time is it? Yeah, I think I will. Um, I, uh, I told you at, um, the early part of this year, um, I felt led to, where is it? Here we go. I felt led to read a book written by uh, a man by the name of Chris Bledsoe. And um, Chris is an interesting guy. Um, he was raised in North Carolina, which is every much a part of the Bible Belt as any other place in the Bible Belt. Uh, but he's attending and is actually a deacon at the Southern Baptist Church in his area. And he is married. But then he is, him and his son, Chris Jr., are abducted. They have an abduction encounter. I have not yet found um, any place where Chris or his son um, has a hypnotic regression to tell everything that Chris and his son saw um, inside those ships. But um, shortly after Chris and his son's missing time uh, scenario, one, one late, 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 late afternoon, evening, uh, they were going fishing down on a, um, a small river uh, near their property. And um, it's interesting because uh, Chris Bledsoe, the author of the book, uh, he went missing for a couple of hours. He gets back to the camp where his buddies are camped out. They're all fishing at night. And they're asking him, where's Junior? In other words, Chris's son. And um, neither one of them are all are are in any way excited or happy that this event happened. But I could tell by reading the book, and I've listened to a few blogs that he's done, um, that his son finds the whole story very distasteful and uh, 
more than likely he would never, ever, ever want to uh, submit to a situation like that ever again. But Chris, Chris, well, his eyes have been opened. His eyes have been opened. He now accepts these um, these these entities. And he has had, let's see if I can find it here. He has had an experience. There we go. Let me put this over here. He's had several experiences with the, what we would call the gray aliens. Said several of those. But he also had an encounter with an entity robed in pure white. The light surrounding her was of a bluish white aura, light blue, like a sky blue. Think. Um, how Mary is depicted in statues where Mary is appearing from heaven and so on. How is Mary usually um, depicted? She's wearing uh, sort of a light sky blue uh, robe and a white, I don't know what you call it, T-shirt. She's got. She's wearing a Duck Dynasty T-shirt underneath that, and um, so one night, Chris gets called out of his house middle of the night, and he's walking down on his property, and he's he keeps hearing this voice, and he gets to a place where all of a sudden this bull comes running at him full steam ahead. This big old Brahma bull and Chris sized him up and he said that got to be a that's a 3,000 pound bull if it was anything well right after that and this is the first time he's ever seen her he sees this woman beautiful white gown uh, not a wrinkle on it the radiant light around her was sort of bluish white light. And I don't mean a fused together bluish white light. I mean, it seemed to have sections that were white, sections that were bluish white, and so on. I don't know how to describe it other than that. And as Chris is diving out of the way to get away from this bull that's charging him, this lady appears that he calls the lady. And when I read Chris's version of this lady, what she wanted, how she described herself, so on and so on and so on, I knew 
I knew exactly who it was. I knew who she was working for. So, in Bledsoe does an interview uh, with some gal on the on the net, and there's another interview. Let me see if I can get this bigger. It's awfully small. No, that's about it. Well, let's see here. We do all oh, looky here. There we go. I want to put this on the screen for you. This is what um, this entity, um, this woman, this lady, he referred to as the lady. Here's what she said. Uh, Bledsoe said, there is this woman. He's describing what's going on at the time. She's about three feet off the ground, six feet uh, from me. All around her, she's glowing bluish white. She's looking at me and she says, you know why I'm here. You must tell what you know. This is your burden you must bear. And I knew what she was talking about because I had been internally in agony over telling the story. I wanted to, but I got back too much poison from everybody. She said, I will protect you. And I will be with you throughout this whole journey. And I'll help you tell this story. One of the things that she told me was that the change was coming. Now, folks, I want you to understand what she means by this. The change is coming. I don't mean menopause. That's not what I mean. There is a paradigm shift going to take place. The change that she's referring to is found in 2 Thessalonians 2. Where it says, um, and For this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That's the change. Um, one of the things she told me was that the change was coming. There was going to be a change and that there would be a new knowledge. A complete new knowledge for all of humanity that we were going to awaken to the apocalypse. This was the revealing, the apocalypse. What we read about in the Bible is happening now. She said it's being scripted that some very dark people in power were trying to bring about the biblical story. They are wanting it to happen. They're wanting to bring back all of, uh, all of that. 
about the end of the world, and she says, we can change that. Now listen to this. Listen to this. She said that 2,000 years ago, a fraternal order of men disgraced the woman and took the woman away from the Trinity. Yeah! Woo! Do you know who that is? Peter, James, John, Philip, Andrew. That's who that was. The fraternity of men who disgraced the woman and took the woman away from the Godhead, the Trinity. Mm. And, uh, and took her from us and suppressed the woman. But the feminine energy was going to rise and that would bring about peace to the world. The, uh, the women were going to rise in power and that peace would come there would be trouble between now and then. And that was written uh, Easter weekend, 2012. Chris later said, I believe the lady is the third part of the Trinity, the mother, the Holy Spirit. Hey, to all of our Catholic friends, what does that tell you? Here it is that these people, these new age people, these occult-driven, magic-ridden people who are just waiting for suckers to come by in Turkana. And... Um, People listen to this doctrine that says that Mary basically would end up being the fourth part of the Trinity because her body and Christ's body were identical. They were the same. She said, I believe the lady is the third part of the Trinity, the mother, the Holy Spirit. The lady told Chris, you are awakening people. Once you awaken somebody and they know in their heart that it is real, just maybe we can all leave from here, ascend to a world of peace um, without having, and I must have forgot to finish the sentence typing it, Anyway, she says the grays are baby angels. Dun, dun, dun. That's what she says. Um, she says, when I reported this to MUFON in 2008, I reported these little beings as angelic beings, uh, children. They are uh, children or like baby angels. Let me show you the first thing that jumped to my mind last night when I read that verse. 
Come on, Hoggard, get there. One, two, three. There we go. I have said, this is God talking, obviously, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth. For thou uh, shalt inherit all nations. Woo! That's some deep, 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 deep stuff. All right. Well, I've had enough for one day. It's good to be with you. I have had a wonderful time. Make sure I play the right music here. That's it. That's the right music. Uh, This is Pastor Mike. Glad you could be with us today. I'm glad that I could be with you today. I hope that you were blessed. You certainly brought a blessing to me while I was in Kenya. And I hope I can be a, uh, a blessing to you and to you all as well. All right. God bless you. Pastor Mike here. We will see you on Thor's Day. Think Bible.